I've been thinking, you know, it was the holiday season, and I keep thinking about these wonderful dinners I had with my family. Uh, my sister, my sister's house for Christmas, for New Year's, Christmas dinner. My my father, my father and mother, they used to own restaurants, so we always had really good food. And my sister worked at the restaurant too, so she picked up the habit of serving really good food and. For Christmas, my dad asked me to make the ham, so I bought this 10-pound ham, and he gave me his recipe for the glaze. It's this bourbon, burgundy glaze with uh, brown sugar. It has orange zest, and you put it all together. You mix it all up. You put it in the refrigerator overnight, and you put it over the ham, and it creates this beautiful glaze, nice and brown and crispy, delicious. Delicious. We had pineapple bread uh, filling. Oh man, perfectly cooked the asparagus. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. And then for New Year's, I'm, New Year's Day, I'm Pennsylvania Dutch. I'm Pennsylvania German. So our soul food is pork and sauerkraut. We're gonna we we gotta do that. Potatoes, these nice fluffy potatoes, homemade applesauce. It was delicious. For Christmas, I hit that zone, man. I hit that zone of. Not perfect fullness, you know what I mean? Like you eat a lot and your brain has to catch up and you, sometimes you eat too much or you take a second helping and then you feel gross. I hit this perfect moment. <laughs> I was perfectly full. I didn't feel gross. I just was content. Now, New Year's was a different story altogether. I won't get into that. But this perfect contentness in my spirit. Tomorrow is a day of fasting. <laughs> Uh, a week, not just a day of fasting, a whole week of fasting we begin tomorrow. So why do I put these th- two things together? Eating really good food and about to go on a fast. Well, fasting, when we fast, we find out really quickly what satisfies. Not just for our bodies, but for our souls. My, my uh, title for today is called Eternal Food. And we will be in John chapter 6, which is not a scripture that talks specifically about fasting, but you'll see the connection I make. It'll, pre- it'll be obvious to you. Let me give you the summary of that chapter to bring you up to speed. Jesus feeds, miraculously feeds 5,000 people. He's li- they're listening to his teaching. They need food. He feeds them with the five loaves of bread and two fish they have, and he produces it over and over and over, and they feed on this bread and fish, and they're happy and they're content. Then the disciples go in a boat, and they go across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. Jesus decides not to go with them. And then this is the scene where famously Jesus walks on the water. And then part, I think it's probably part, not the whole crowd, but a part of that 5,000, they start looking for Jesus. He fed them well. They start looking for him. And so they get in a boat, and they go across the Galilean Sea, and they start looking for Jesus, and they find him in Capernaum along with his disciples. And that's where our passage picks up, so please stand with me. We're going to read the scripture today from John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. Read it nice and loud with me. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, You are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread, heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Amen. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. The main idea behind my sermon today is this. In Jesus, God the Father gives food that brings eternal life and leaves us feeling full. In Jesus, God the Father gives food that brings eternal life and leaves us full. My first point from verse 25 through 27. They catch up with Jesus, this crowd, and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't answer them. He just gets right to the heart of the matter. He says, you ate the bread, and now you want more. You've come looking for me for what I can give you. You were hungry, I fed you, and now you want more. It's a matter of what Jesus can do for them. <clears throat> he says, don't look for food, don't work for food that spoils. But food, get food that remains for eternity. This is the food that the Son of Man gives. And the Son of Man has God's seal of approval. This is Jesus. He has God's seal of approval. He's been sent as the Son of God to earth to give us eternal food. Now, unlike many of us, I don't know if everyone, but we are believers. And it's clear as you get into this scripture that these folks do not yet believe in Jesus. But we can identify with them, can't we? When we're not moving in the Spirit, we are acting like we don't believe. We're acting a lot like the people in this story, trying to get something from Jesus instead of enjoying him as our king and as our savior. How often do we go to Jesus to get something from him instead of simply just enjoying him? And it begs the question right from the beginning, what food are you working for? What are you trying to get from Jesus? Pastor Larry in that um, in the um, video that we did on con- contemplative spirituality, talked about the Lectio Divina. It's a practice where you sit and you read the scripture several times, usually several different translations, and you're just waiting for the Lord to speak. And so I figured while we're in that frame of reference, let me do it with this scripture. And so I read it a few times just nice and slowly. And then this is what stood out to me. Jesus said, you ate the loaves and you had your fill. 
that leapt off the page to me. You ate the loaves and you had your fill. What are the loaves in your life? What are even the good things? Bread's a good thing. We need it to survive, right? What are the good things in your life that are good but not eternal? They don't give you eternal fullness. Family, job, school, money, success, friends, entertainment. So we're fasting for a week. And the reason we're fasting for a week is we're saying, give up some things. Even good things, give them up. So we're encouraging you to fast one or two meals a day for the week, if you can, in good health. We're also asking you, and this may be even more challenging, to give up screen time, TV, computer, social media, unless you have to do it for work. But otherwise, will you refrain from that? Will you give it up? See, this will allow you time, more time with Jesus, more time to just simply be in his presence. To say, you're the only one I need, as the song we just sang. You're the only one I need. See, the reason we do this in the beginning of the year is to get right to the heart of the matter. What are you relying on to give you eternal fullness besides Christ? Fasting will reveal it. What are you filling your soul with these days? You see, fasting reminds us of our need. It reminds us of our hunger for Jesus. Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen? Amen. That's what we are trying to get at when we enter into fasting. And I've been thinking about this since I'm preaching on it. Like, what do I want from Jesus? Well, when I get into my devotions, I want him to speak to me. That's a good desire, right? Yeah. But do I want that more than I want him? I always say God's not a gumball machine. He doesn't always give us what he wants or the way we want it. So I want him to speak to me, and he often does. He spoke to me when I did that Lectio Divina. He, he, he drove right to my heart. But he doesn't have to do it, and he does it all kinds of ways. He forces me to look to his creativity and how he wants to speak to me. What do I want from Jesus? And then the question is, do I want it more than Jesus himself? That's the basic question that he's going after. John, the author John, is going after in this scripture. And Jesus says, you're going after food that perishes. This food that I gave you, this bread that I gave you, it'll perish. It'll, 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 it'll fill you up for a season, but not eternally. And Jesus points them and us to the work of faith that is necessary to follow him. Verses 28 through 33, the work of faith. Work, he says, for eternal food, things that will never perish. So they start up this conversation with Jesus about works. He says, work for food that doesn't perish. All right, we're on, we're on the subject of works here, Jesus. And they ask him, what, was, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What work does God require? And he says, believe in the one that God sent to this world. Believe in Jesus. 
Your primary work in this world is to believe in Jesus. All other good works flow from that act of faith. The primary one is, the primary work is, do you believe in Jesus? And then, it's hard to believe this, but then they say, they ask for another sign. He just fed miraculously 5,000 people, and they say, well, what, are you, what sign are you going to give us? What are you going to do for us now? They are not getting it. How often do we not get it? What are you going to do for me today, Jesus? Believe in me, he says. Believe in me. That's the point he's making. That's the starting point. I've been listening to this podcast. It's called Questioning Christianity. It's about our belief systems, atheism, Christianity, other religions, Muslim faith, Hindu. It's about our belief systems that we have in place. The people in this scripture, they don't believe in Jesus. And they're saying, prove it to me. Do what's necessary to prove that you are who you say you are. Now, maybe there are people here today. Maybe you're joining us online. And you don't know if Jesus is who he says he is. It's okay to have that question. It's a good question. Is Jesus really who he says he is? I want to talk to you for just a moment. I cannot prove to you there is a God. I can't do it. I can give you some evidence, evidence that I think is convincing. I cannot prove that God exists. But here's the point. You cannot prove that God doesn't exist. It's a matter of faith. Now, atheists today, and I have a lot of respect for people who are questioning and, and trying to challenge the faith, I respect them for their opinions, but they want to make you believe, especially scientists today, that they're on the side of reason and we're in the church on the side of faith. That's simply not true. It's simply not true. I cannot prove that God exists to you. And if you don't believe in God, I guess what you believe is the world has always been here. That matter has always been here. But you can't prove that. What scientific proof can you give me that the world has always been here? You can't do it. It's a matter of faith. So what I'm trying to say to you today is this. It's faith. On the side of belief in Christ, on the side of not belief in Christ. So can we have a conversation? A respectful conversation. Can we be unlike the people of our society who want to dig themselves into their dogmatic position and say, I'm right, you're wrong, I don't want to listen to you. Can we talk to each other? Can we challenge each other? And can we disagree respectfully? I think we can. And then, if, we're, if it's a matter really of faith on either side, then this is what you have to do. You have to say, you have to compare belief systems. Well, what's the evidence for this system as opposed to this system. Is this, and here's another question, is my system of belief internally consistent? Or do I have to reach out to another belief system, borrow what they believe, and then bring it into my system? Then, I think the most important one is this, 
Does my belief system give me enough resources in my life to live a good life? These are the questions we need to ask each other and ask ourselves. I think I can make a strong case for Christianity. And that's probably all I have time to say today. But let's talk. The point I want to make, the point that Jesus makes, uh, and the author John in the story today is this. If you're like the crowd that comes to see Jesus, and, and you say to them, prove it to me. Jesus, prove it to me. If you're like the people, what the scripture says is, Jesus could show up in your midst, perform a miracle, and you still wouldn't believe. So you have to be challenged by that. And you can challenge me as well. I want to have that conversation. God requires faith. Christians, you know, let's not just pick on people who don't, who don't believe. We demand proof from Jesus too as Christians, don't we? It kind of looks like this. Jesus, answer my prayers the way I want you to answer them, and then I will truly give you my heart. Jesus, work my life out the way I want you to, and I will give you my heart. And Jesus says, no, 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 I don't play that game. You have to believe I am the one who God has sent to you, and I will determine the way I answer your prayers and the life that I give you. That's, that's a stretch. I, believe, I, I know that's true. Believe, Jesus says, believe in me, and I will give you fullness, eternal fullness that will satisfy your whole heart. And then the crowd makes a shift. They go from, prove it to me, Jesus, to relying on their religious traditions. They say, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. You see, they understood Jesus' reference. When Jesus said, it's, don't go after food that spoils, they, they got the reference. He's talking about the manna from heaven during the Exodus in the Old Testament. Because you're allowed to take that food for a day. You gather up that food. But if you store it up some more for tomorrow, it would rot away. It was no good for tomorrow. You needed your daily food. And then on the weekends, because of the Sabbath, you got two days. But if you stored it for more than two days, it just rotted away. That's the point. And they get the point. And they say, well, it's our ancestors. They're going to their religious tradition, counting on their religious tradition. And then Jesus said, and then they quote scripture and say, he gave them bread from heaven. And Jesus says, it's God the Father who gave that, not Moses. Now, that sounds to me like Jesus is trying to correct them. They think it's Moses, and, God's, and Jesus says, no, it's really God. But I don't think that's what's going on. I think what all he's trying to say is, he, look at the verbs. He's saying, this, this, food, this bread was given to you, and now the Father gives you. He's focusing on something that happened in the past that happened. Now he's focusing on the verb gives. He's saying, God is giving it to you right now. It's not this past event. He's going right to the heart of the matter of their religious traditions, too. You're thinking of this as some future reality, some past reality. I'm telling you, it's right here, right now. It's in the presence, and God has given it to you. It's a present reality. The bread from heaven is for now. He's placing them back in the story of the Exodus. He's taking that whole story, bringing it into the present, 
and saying, there's a new Exodus going on, and there's a new Moses, and he's right here. It's me. I have the seal of God's approval, and I am about to give you something that will never perish, unlike the food I just gave you. The bread from heaven is for now. It's right in your midst. Believe in this Jesus. The work he requires is your faith, faith in bread from heaven. They pick up on it pretty clearly, and they say, give us that bread. God gives the bread of life. Verses 34 through 35, give us that bread. It reminds me so much of the woman at the well. It's, it's like, almost like an exact parallel. Jesus meets the woman at the well in chapter 4 of John, and he says, everyone who drinks this water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see the parallels? Jesus saying, I'm that. I'm the living water. And the woman says, sir, give me this water. The people in our past would say, give us that bread. And Jesus, here it is, the, the culmination of the whole scripture, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, Jesus, I am the living water. Later in, this, in the book of John. What I'm talking about here is the pearl of great price. Scripture says, sell everything to get it. Sell everything to get it. You think there's something out there better. I'm telling you, there's not. It is the pearl of great price. If you're the rich young ruler, Jesus says to you, sell it all. There's nothing to be compared to my kingdom that I want to give you. There's nothing compared to the bread of life. There's nothing compared to the living water. Sell everything you have. Give it all up. You will not be disappointed. Which gets me back to fasting. Remember the, the loaves? I'm using this as a metaphor for the enjoyable things of life in our lives that are good, but they don't eternally satisfy. Jesus says, I'm the culmination of them all. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am your family. I'm a perfect family. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Your family will disappoint you no matter how good they are. I will never disappoint. I'm your job. I'm your school. I'm your calling in life. I am your treasure. I am the pearl of great price. I am your success. What can be more successful than a life devoted to Christ? I am your success. I am your best friend, Jesus says. A friend that will never disappoint you. Never let you down. And I am your entertainment. I am the thing that should grab your imagination more than anything else. I am the story that needs to be told in your soul. Now, I don't care how, these are great things that we pursue. Family and friends, our occupation, our school. These are good things. I don't care how great they are. They cannot eternally satisfy your soul. 
Jesus can. Jesus can. Do you really believe that Jesus can satisfy your soul? I mean, do you really believe it? I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we don't believe it. Jesus wants to give you a taste of eternal life now. Eternal joy now. Resurrection joy now. Can we, as Christians, we need to stop presenting the gospel as it's a matter of you die, you get to go to heaven. It's about heaven, enjoying a piece of heaven now. And by the way, heaven is not our final destination. At the, book of, at the end of the Bible, heaven comes back to earth, just like the creation of the world. It's heaven and earth together, which we see perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And fasting gives us an opportunity to see all of this, to put it into its perspective. And that's why we ask you to do, to do it. So deny yourself some food this week. One meal, two meal, whatever you discern between you and God. Give up your entertainment for a week, the things that occupy your imagination. Anything else that you're looking to for satisfaction, give it up. I know you can't, now don't get me in trouble with your boss. Pastor Tim said I can take off the week of work. Now you gotta go to work. But get eternal food. Get eternal food, the food that will last you forever. As I said, my parents, um, my parents cooked all the time. We had, we had all these dinners in our house all the time, all this amazing food. My dad had a friend. His, his name was Alan. And after a really good meal, Alan would hold his belly and he said, I'm serensified. Anything else would be a superfluidity. And we're like, what? I think he meant superfluous. Superfluidity is like some kind of physics term for gas that goes to a liquid that no friction or whatever. But it became this, this thing we say in our family. I'm serenified. Anything else would be a superfluidity. You get the point. Will you be serenified in Jesus this week? Will you fill up on Jesus? Fasting gives you this opportunity to pursue eternal food. In Jesus, God gives you food that brings eternal life, that leaves you full. Serenified. Anything else is superfluidity. Eternal life tastes of it now. Eternal joy tastes of that now. Resurrection life tastes of that now. Never give anybody the idea that all the good stuff is in the future. It's the future invading the present that we're talking about. Now, yes, our treasures are to be stored up in heaven. And there will come a day heaven meets earth again and we will be permanently eternally satisfied but we have tastes of that this week so deny yourself 
and taste something way better. Taste Jesus this week and you will never go back. If you deny yourself this week and never taste of the delicacies of Jesus, then you're missing the point of the fast that we want you to have. We want you to come out. Pastor Larry and I are going to teach this class on contemplative spirituality. How to find time just with Jesus to enjoy the delicacies from heaven that he wants to bring to your earth. Wait until heaven shows up in your life. And it will. It will. So what does this look like, practically speaking? Let me give you a taste of the class that I will teach on Saturday. Think of heaven. Start, I want you to just imagine heaven. You're like, Tim, that's too abstract for me. All right. Picture the most beautiful place on earth that you know. You know, your spot. That place where you show up and everything goes to peace. For me, it's the Allegheny River in Amy's hometown of Warren. We have this little rustic cottage. Cottage doesn't mean much, but that river, I, get, I sit by the river and Jesus meets me in peace. So close your eyes and think of that place for you. Lord Jesus, we are in this space, a little bit of heaven that you created for us on earth. Now we invite you into this space. Speak to us. Say anything you want to say. Or don't say anything. We'll just be with you. Take a few moments to be with Christ. That's your daily bread. That's just a little sample of something you can do every day. Just to be with Jesus. Just to enjoy him. We pray, Lord God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray, Lord, give us our daily bread. It's not just our physical bread that we need, our food. We need Jesus daily. You could go to bed full of faith and it'll all leak out of you, just like the manna from heaven. It's only good for a day, but Jesus will give it to you over and over. Ask for your daily bread. It's about union with Christ. So please come, please fast. I know this can be challenging. We're gonna let that between you and Jesus. We're not gonna tell you exactly how to do it. We've given you some suggestions, but this week is about you being with the eternal bread, the bread of life, the living water. 
If you need help during the week, reach out to Pastor Larry and myself. We will make sure you have all the help you need. In Jesus, God the Father gives food that brings eternal life and leaves us feeling full. I want you to be full this week in a way you've never been full before. Remember that Christmas meal I told you about? I hit that perfect zone. <laughs> I felt content. It didn't last. I woke up hungry the next day. It was a momentary pleasure. But there is bread from heaven in Jesus. Taste of eternity for you right now. And Jesus is coming back. There will be a day. Will it be tomorrow? Will it be in 2023? I don't know. But God the Father knows. And Jesus is coming back to take you home. And then it's eternal bliss. It's eternal fullness. It's eternal joy. That is what you want to go after in your life. That is what will satisfy you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we want that bread. <laughs> but we don't want to come to you just for what we can get from you. We want you. You are the eternal bread. You are the bread of life that satisfies. You are the, the streams of living water. You are everything that we desire, Lord. Even the good things in this earth will never fully satisfy, but you do. Meet us this week in our fast in a special way, in a new way. Restore us. That Give us, give us a supernatural resilience that we may follow you wholeheartedly with all of our hearts. Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire but you. Give us you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen.